Welcome back, everyone. My name is Michael LeBlanc, Senior Portfolio Manager at Canaccord Junity Wealth Management. Thank you again for joining us this week for our live weekly uh, update on everything we saw last week and everything we see coming up and what's happening in the markets. Uh, thank you again for your patience. Hopefully, we're the last couple of weeks in our temporary uh, spaces. We're going through a reno at the office here, and we, uh, we're just at the expect inspection stage, so we should be back to normal soon so uh i know the sound and video quality haven't been as good as of late but we'll get there uh hopefully uh very quickly so with that um kind of jumping into what's going on in the markets uh, remember though everything that we cover here is for information purposes uh only uh always do your own due diligence or reach out to us go to mikeonmoney.com happy to answer any of your questions that pertains to your particular situation and uh, see how uh, any of this uh information or strategies can be applied to your particular portfolios. So with that, let's take a look at what we're seeing coming up this week. Uh, durable goods for March is due to come out. The, uh, the home price index for February, new homes uh, sales for March are looking to come out uh, after market today, I think, or tomorrow. Uh, consumer confidence for April numbers are gonna come out. That'll be really interesting because we've definitely seen that starting to turn. Uh, and big earnings season, we got Pepsi, UPS, uh, GE, Raytheon, uh, CN Rail, Visa, Mondelez, Microsoft, uh, Microsoft Today After Market, Alphabet, which is Google's uh, parent company, and GM, all reporting this week. So a lot of earnings numbers, and this is going to, you know, really flow into the theme for uh, for for this quarter. And obviously, we'll, we're going to talk a lot about what's been going on this week in the market, sir late last week and, and start of this week. And with that, as I mentioned, the stock futures edged down again uh, today, uh, just ahead of those earnings reports. Um, you know, there's a lot of concerns about slowing growth. Uh, you know, we've, we've still got Ukraine-Russia um, uh, war going on. We've got China going into lockdowns. Um, you know, affecting kind of consumer confidence out there. So a lot of things happen in the markets, but again, there's a lot of noise out in the markets, but look at the underlying theme. We have inflation and we have rising rates. That is what's been driving the markets this year. That has not changed. There's a lot of noise kind of distracting and, and changing people's moods and sentiment, but it's still all kind of headed down that same path. Uh, we're also looking at uh, uh, data coming out that the U.S. trucking uh, uh, downturn is foreshadowing a possible economic gloom. So this is really interesting. Uh, we talked about this oh, several times late last year. We talked about it a lot early this year uh, because the you know the theme last year a lot of it was the supply chain, right? It was it was it was, it was tight. It was slow. Uh, everything was backed up. Orders. Uh, orders were delayed, uh, and that drove a lot of inflation because we had a lot of demand, but supply couldn't get out there. And, you know, we even had, you know, a lot of reports about uh, not enough truckers and not enough drivers because, uh, you know, people didn't want to do the job. It wasn't paying as well as it used to. Uh, so you, even if we had goods produced, we couldn't get it to the demand side of the market just because we didn't have the transportation. Well, now we're getting data started to indicate that um, th there's a drop in demand. We have excess trucking capacity. Uh, the logistic industry is starting to uh, show a slowdown. Uh, you know, we have food and furniture uh, demand decreasing uh, due to, to the inflation numbers and sentiment out there. 
and, and we talked about this in the sense that this, this might be showing that start of the glut phase, right? Because whenever we have a really short supply and high demand, uh, of course, the world goes out and starts making more supply because the prices are up, sales are up, everything's great. Let's get as much of the product out there as possible. Retailers are out there with no inventory, start to put in massive orders to fill up their warehouses and fill up their shelves. And then all of a sudden, the supply catches up, but demand hasn't changed or maybe demand drops off a bit after that backlog gets absorbed. Uh, and, and then we go into the slowdown. Now, that sounds like bad news, but it's also good news because we want inflation to roll over, right? We want that price and pressure to, to decrease. Uh, and we want to do it quickly because we've been following our theme. You know, the, uh, the second quarter, this quarter, we were expecting uh, drop in growth, uh, you know, potential soft landing, but more likely hard landing, a short recession and a rollover in inflation. That's kind of what we want. Uh, the markets are kind of telling us that might be happening. Um, you know, the tough part with recessions is you need three months of negative growth to say that you're in an in a recession. And then if you're coming out of that recession after three months, well, you know, the, the day you find out about it, you're probably, uh, you know, coming out of it. So the opportunity has gone. So looking ahead, uh, this is kind of all a bit expected. This might be some early signs of it, but something to keep a very close eye on. Uh, Wall Street is uh, facing a gauntlet of worries. As I said, there's a lot of stuff going on out there. But again, that, that, that main theme is that hawkish Federal Reserve policy, the rise in rates, uh, and, and bond prices rising and kind of continuing to uh, kind of continuing to stay there, making investors a bit uneasy, which is good. This is an opportunity. We've been talking about it. We're looking for this opportunity. Certainly in our portfolios, we, we, we've mentioned out there, be patient. Uh, to have some cash on the sidelines to take advantage of this. U.S. home builders are starting to see price and pinch. We're also seeing it in Canada quite a bit. Those rising mortgage rates are starting to slow down. Uh, now, when I say slow down, I, I don't mean we're seeing, you know, collapse in the home prices, but demand is starting to, to ease off. We've seen a lot of reports now that, you know, from three to six months ago, of course, you know, multiple bids all above asking price on real estate, uh, where now it's one or two bids below asking price. We're seeing more and more of those. The numbers are definitely softening a, a bit out there as far as you know the all-time highs on the, on the uh, real estate front. Obviously it's region by region, you know, kind of even area by area is kind of where the higher demand and slower demands are, but that trend is definitely moving in that direction. Again, all positive when we talk about inflation uh, and, and that we want it to, to, to flip over. Uh, Wall Street strategists are sounding gloomier uh, as those uh, stock prices drop. So, you know, as we've been talking about in January, uh, a couple of our, our key um, guidance factors were, were calling for a Q2 recession. Uh, there were very few at that point. Uh, the numbers started to increase of different analysts and different Wall Street specialists out there started to move. We actually, I think uh, the last numbers I saw in uh, late March, early April was about 60, 70% were making a call for a 2022 recession. Um, and more and more now, those numbers are increasing. But, you know, going back to whether you believe recession or you believe soft landing, uh, you know, if you look at the historic charts, they all kind of show 
uh, a 10% drop in the markets, um, a, a flattening, a leveling off of the markets around that level. And then if you're a soft landing, they rebound and rally. Um, if it's a hard landing, there's still a short-term rally for about a month or so. And then they turn again and retest the lows and maybe possible new lows, depending on the depth of the recession. So if we see that 10% and we're getting really close, that might be a good opportunity to start looking at some of the positions that if you lightened up when things were higher, deploy some cash. There will be a little, you know, historically there's been that little bit of a bounce and kind of an opportunity to uh, reassess, take a little bit of profits and see what uh, see what that look for the rest of the year is looking like. Um, but again, it really comes down to your risk factors, what sectors you're looking at. So do reach out to us if you're thinking of playing this strategy. Uh, happy to discuss what's going on in your portfolios and, and how you might want to look at that. But this, and we're definitely not seeing this pullback as negative. This is the opportunity we've been looking for. And on that theme, KKR, KKR is a private buyout firm. Uh, they just raised $19 billion for their flagship North American private equity fund. They're, look, they're looking to go shopping, right? They're looking for this opportunity. So they're raising money. And that's what the smart money, smart money out there does. When uh, you know sentiment gets its worst and we see these pullbacks, we want to go take advantage of it because that's where we can really have some solid growth in a portfolio uh, and take advantage of cheap prices uh, in quality companies. Uh, the New York City uh, pension leaders are, uh, are urging fuel lending curbs. So talk a little bit about this. A lot of the pension and, and social investment has been pushing for lenders, specifically banks, uh, to curb or limit uh, how much money that they, they loan out for fossil fuel development and, and fossil fuel growth. Uh, and more and more pensions are starting to push, uh, push their financial firms to, uh, to limit that or reduce that. Uh, and that just kind of, you know, moving more and more to green energy or, or uh, alternative energies uh, that are out there. So as that momentum pushes, uh, we'll see what happens, you know, if the bankers uh, follow suit. But again, as we've talked about in our in our uh, one-off videos, talking about um, uh, green energy or social responsible investing, uh, it's really going to come down to cost because if it stays a lot cheaper for for fossil fuels, uh, that's where the money's going to go. Uh, but that is actually at a turning point. The, the alternative energies are becoming more uh, more cost effective. The real thing is going to be time because it takes a lot of time uh, to get alternative energy uh, up and running. Years, more than a year, depending on which ones you're talking about. And so we can't give up on fossil fuel, which is why we're in this kind of pricing crunch on fossil fuel. Take uh, Russia and Ukraine out of the equation for a moment. Uh, all last year, we saw that run up in the price of oil as demand returned and supply just isn't keeping up. And that trend's continuing. So uh, despite what we see going on in uh, uh, overseas, uh, take the humanitarian part apart, apart aside for a moment, um, we don't see the uh, much change as far as the energy man um, moving forward. Uh, Blackstone is boosting their property sector bet by uh, doing an acquisition of PS Business Parks with $7.6 billion. Uh, we've seen a lot of deal making in the real estate sector. Uh, this actually concerns me more than anything else because all the other indicators with inflation, higher interest rates, slowing uh, housing market, uh, costs are going up for carrying, uh, carrying properties. Uh, and yet, if we look at the, uh, the secondary, um, secondary uh, market 
as far as um, uh, capital, capital, sorry, capital uh, principal, capital market raises, my apologies, capital market raises in the REITs uh, are all coming to market asking for money at these higher prices. Uh, we're still seeing some deals like these go through, um, you know, raises concern that, you know, uh, when we see too many uh, capital raises in one sector, uh, it tends to, to, to lend to, are we at the peak? I don't know if we are or not, but are we at the peak of some prices and then seeing things, seeing things pull back or soften afterwards? Uh, there's just a lot of money being raised at uh, those higher levels. And that's a concern for me around the, uh, around the REIT markets. So with that, let's take a look at what's coming up this week. Uh, Alphabet, as mentioned, Google's parent company is going to be reported. We are expecting some pretty good revenues as online advertising continues to be strong, uh, especially on their YouTube and other services. Uh, you know, the supply chain nags and inflation, Ukraine war, all these things uh, have actually played well into the digital market uh, and the companies uh, continue to do well. Uh, Microsoft, Microsoft is also expected to report a rise in third quarter revenues driven by demand for the cloud-based services. Still a lot of people working at home and want that flexibility. Uh, so a lot of more expansion there. Um, we'll also take a look at the proposed 69 billion uh, deal to buy video game publisher Activision Blizzard, which was announced last quarter. Uh, so we'll see how that that plays out uh, for the Microsoft theme. Uh, the, uh, the stock actually pulled back today. It was up yesterday, despite a down market. It pulled back today uh, pre-announcements, so because they're announcing aftermarket today. Pepsi is expected to uh, also uh, report a rise in first quarter, helped by higher prices. But we'll have to take a close look at the profit margins. Might be squeezed a bit by freight and commodity costs. As uh, you know, remember we're looking back, not forward. We we just talked about the uh, the trucking companies being a little slower now, but in the last quarter they certainly were not, and the costs were higher. So we'll have to keep a, a close uh, close eye on their costs. Also, what the real impact of curtailing their operation operations in Russia will be. And of course, we can't talk about the news without talking about Elon Musk buying Twitter. So this is the saga we've been talking about for uh, what we talked about last week. We were off the week before. Uh, uh, you know, Elon Musk has made uh, made a bid of $44 billion, deal, roughly $54 a share for Twitter, uh, U.S. dollars. Uh, to take it private. Uh, that deal looks like they've clinched and accepted it. They haven't, uh, as far as we've seen, we haven't seen a close date for the deal. Uh, but interestingly enough, uh, the stock is trading below the takeout price. So there is an arbitrage play there. Uh, obviously, the market is seeing risk that this deal might not go to. Last I looked at it, it was trading uh, just above $50 a share. As I mentioned, the takeout price is about $54 a share. Um, it's an interesting, you know, there's a lot of comments as to this is good, this is bad. Uh, it's, a, it's a very strange deal uh, in the sense that, you know, Twitter's not really um, generating positive cash flow. Uh, Elon is borrowing a lot of money, about half the money uh, he's borrowing to finance this deal, which, you know, there's interest costs to be paid, which is going to add to the, uh, the operating costs of, of Twitter. So, We'll have to see uh, what he does with it. It will be private, so you won't own shares in it anymore. Uh, but there is an interest in arbitrage deal out there. As I mentioned, it's trading at 50, just above $50 last I looked, um, with a 54 plus, just over $54 uh, takeout price. But obviously, the market is 
pricing in a risk that the deal doesn't take place. So we'll have to keep a close eye on that. Uh, GM and Ford uh, steer into heavy headwinds with inflation and rising interest rates. So, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about the car manufacturers over the last couple of years, you know, all the uh, incredible sales, they're out of inventory, they can't get inventory out because the lack of uh, microchips out there to, to put into the vehicles. Uh, and, but, you know, really good sales numbers, delivery numbers a little slow, uh, but this backlog kind of building, but rising interest rates, you know, does reduce uh, people's ability to borrow for vehicles or lease vehicles. Uh, and, and of course, with the inflation and the rise in prices in those vehicles, what does that mean? We're going to have to take a look at the first quarter results and really take a good look at what, uh, what the projected for the next couple of quarters. Coca-Cola is, uh, is, is actually making a shift to refillable glass bottles to fight off inflation. Uh, obviously cheaper to uh, take back uh, glass bottles uh, and reuse them as opposed to buying new plastic all the time. And believe it or not, yes, they do buy new plastic all the time, not just Coca-Cola, uh, pretty much all those products. Uh, we've talked about it again when we talk about our environmental investing or socially responsible investing. Uh, a lot of the stuff that you put in your recycle bin actually does not get recycled um, or certainly not in back into the products you might think just because of the problems with recycling plastic. So Coca-Cola is actually looking going back to glass again. It's a little vintage throwback, uh, but, it's, uh, but they're looking at saving some money uh, and keeping, uh, keeping their costs uh, cost down uh, as, uh, as we still deal with this inflation. On the, on the Good note with inflation, graphic chips. So graphic uh, chips that go into whether it be video game uh, computers, com uh, cars to uh, crypto mining. Uh, we've been in a massive shortage for almost two years around graphic chips and the prices just soared. Uh, we're dark, we've actually seen the price drop coming, uh, you know, not to lows, but coming back into lines with uh, pricing almost of a couple of years ago. Uh, so does this mean that we've caught up and that goes back to the theme of, are we getting into the, the glut phrase or at least catching up with the supply chain phase of, uh, of this market, which all bodes well for an inflationary uh, rollover standpoint. So graphic chips are coming back into proper price and still hard to get, but I uh, bet getting, getting more accessible uh, every day. And that's why we're seeing the prices come down. Uh, Amazon's having another vote for a second union uh, in another warehouse in New York State. So uh, if you remember, uh, I guess about a month ago now, uh, the first uh, New York City warehouse uh, voted to unionize. Uh, now there's a second vote coming up. Uh, this is actually a vote that this warehouse that had before it failed in the past. Obviously, the union's open after one success. Now they'll they'll uh, garner more support and uh, we'll have to see how that you know, plays out for Amazon. Obviously if their warehouses unionize uh, that might, you know, change, change their pricing model, change their business model uh, significantly. On the U S dollar front, uh, we've seen uh, a, a sharp rise uh, as the safe haven flows continue. Uh, as we've always said, when markets go down, you're going to see a run to the U S dollar. That's uh, not a big surprise that continues. Um, Canadian dollars held in there very, very well. Um, you know, mostly uh, we've kept up our interest rate hikes with the U.S. or even led uh, compared to the U.S. and the price of oils remains strong for us. Uh, so again, the Canadian dollar, we expect to hold in strong, maybe even run up to about 82 cents. Uh, we don't see much more, uh, much higher than that. Uh, but of course, situation subject to change 
the euro, the euro continues to show some some loss and and uh, weakness uh, just due to the higher inflation over there and obviously concerns uh, of what's going on in the in Ukraine. Uh, and as we mentioned, the 10-year Treasury uh, note, the, the bond market remain, remains uh, pretty steady, went down slightly, but not, uh, but not, uh, not moved very much. And we don't expect that to change with uh, an aggressive Fed out there. On the commodity front, oil stayed pretty strong, just below $100 last I looked. It was trading $97.98, uh, but it keeps on bouncing between there and just over $100. So staying in strong, again, our outlook hasn't changed there. Gold ticked up slightly. Uh, it's staying pretty flat. Uh, you know, if you're looking at playing gold, you know, one of the areas that uh, that we're, we're working with is uh, um, uh, covered calls on gold. So if you're not familiar with covered calls, uh, you can buy it in an ETF. It's a lot easier to do than trying to do it on your own uh, or even in your own accounts uh, through through advisors. The ETFs do very effectively uh, where you just get a bump in return um, just with uh, flat markets or volatility can give you a little bit of a bump. So something to consider when you're looking at gold these days. Uh, and base metal prices uh, have stayed pretty steady after a sharp fall. Um, but that was mostly on China's uh, new lockdowns. Um, and uh, But again, underlying uh, demand is still there. So with that, as always, thanks for joining us. If you have any questions, do go to michaelmoney.com. Love to hear from you guys. Any questions, any feedback, any thoughts. Uh, but with that, we'll be back next Tuesday. Remember, this is all on YouTube and podcasts. If you want to listen to other episodes or uh, catch future ones, if you miss our live uh, broadcasts, but with that, I'll say thank you very much, and I'll talk to you again next week. Thank you. Bye-bye.